0: Welcome everyone. I'm Dr. Luann Fortune and welcome to uh, the May series of mindfulness moments offered to you by Saybrook University and the faculty of the Department of Mind Body Medicine. I am delighted that you can be with us today. We have a special one-hour workshop in store on the Feldenkrais method and it will be presented by my colleague Dr. Cliff Smythe. I'll just say a word about Dr. Smyth. He is a Feldenkrais in Master and scholar of the highest renown. He's recognized globally. He has contributed in many ways to the scholarship and the practice of this method and it's also been my delight to have worked with Dr. Smyth for uh, 14 years since his very beginnings at Saybrook University. So I will stop now and hand it over to you. Thank you very much for being here.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you, Luanne, for that lovely introduction. Um, so I'm just going to start with a few slides. So what will happen today is I'll talk a little bit about Feldenkrais method. Then we'll do a lesson in sitting. We call them awareness through movement. Um, and then I have some slides. We can do some question and answer. We'll see how that goes. And then probably do a final lesson in um, standing or in sitting for you know, about 10 minutes or so to finish our session. So let's begin with some slides. There we go. Good. So this is me, as as, as Dr. Fortune introduced me. Um, I am a faculty member in the Department of Mind Body Medicine at Saybrook University. I'm also the editor of the Feldenkrais Research Journal, and it's called the Feldenkrais Method of Somatic Education. <laughs> Just let me get my slides working here. And this is um, the field of somatics is a field which studies soma, namely the body is perceived from within um, by first person perception. So this is from the philosopher and somatics teacher Thomas Hanna. Um, and, you know, in this day, the idea of bringing forth people's first person lived experience rather than thinking of the body as an object and, and subject to a, a medical uh, uh, point of view and bringing forth the, our own experience was really revolutionary in the in the 20th century. Um, and the other important word here is education. So we really see the Feldenkrais method as an educational process. And I think, like many practices in mind body medicine, it's an educational or learning process really that um, can have therapeutic outcomes. And that's actually in our scope of practice that that we think of it that way. So we're gonna begin with some awareness through movement. And interestingly, here is the word through. So there is some awareness of movement as we go, but uh, the founder of the method, Moshe Feldenkrais, called this awareness through movement to emphasize that the movement itself is a focus of our attention, of our awareness, Um, A more recent paradigm that um, people have have been using is mindful movement, which I guess is part of why we're here today as part of a a mindfulness moment. So we're talking about this ability to self-observe in action in the the present moment. And what we think is that by making the movements and paying attention to them, we uh, learn to listen to the body and its possibilities and its needs. And um, at the same time, we find that people get functional improvement through the improved sensation and coordination. So you'll see when I talk a little bit about outcomes, there's these improvements in terms of awareness, sense of self and all of that. And there's improvements in terms of, of movement. So these are some pictures here of some people doing awareness through movement lessons. The picture in the middle here is actually Dr. Feldenkrais himself. Uh, doing a lesson that's a rare uh, photo he was a doctor of science uh, with a background in engineering and uh, judo and he brought his knowledge of judo to help heal himself and improve his own function and um, studied not just the physics of movement but then onto the psychology the biomechanics the all aspects of movement and how the body is fundamental to our sense of ourselves. Ah, so this means we're going to do some movement. All right, so I'm going to stop the sharing. And I invite you to sit in your chair, however you want to sit in it. And just start to sense how you're sitting. How are you sitting now?
2: So are you comfortable? or not so comfortable.
1: Having to do some cat management here, so I'll keep that to a minimum. Um, and just start to feel, are there points of contact with the floor or with the chair of your body? So maybe start with your feet and find out if your feet are touching the floor or the rungs of the chair. And just bring your attention into your feet and your legs and notice where's the contact there. And then is there contact at the back of your uh, pelvis or underneath your pelvis, maybe your thighs or your back or your arms? Can you just bring your attention into those places that are in contact with those
2: areas of support?
1: Just letting your attention rove and find the places where you have some contact and support and bathe them with awareness. Good, And then notice, are you comfortable? If you had to sit here for some time, would you be comfortable? Or is there some places that might start to feel a little fatigued or even a little tight and sore? And of course, make any little movements that you want to be a little bit more comfortable. So that's one of the principles here is comfort can be our guide. There's no way that you have to sit. There's nothing that you have to do in any of these lessons. That's good. And then are you breathing? What's your experience of breathing right now? This is there some sensations of the coming and going of the air at the nostrils or the mouth, through the throat. And are there any sensations of movement with breathing? So bring your attention in to the abdominal area, the front, the sides, you know, the belly, the waist, the lower back, and notice if there's any movement of breathing there. And there's no right or wrong way to breathe, just like
2: there's no right or wrong way to sit.
1: And then are there any movements of breathing in the chest? So again, thinking all around what happens in the front of the chest with the ribs
2: and the breastbone and the sides from the armpits down to the low ribs on each side. And is there any movement of breath into your back, if the chest, between the shoulder blades?
1: So as we proceed now, just um, really invite you to go very small and very light and easy. Feldenkrais Method's not about strengthening or stretching, And I'll talk a little bit later, but we find that if people go very small and very light and not anywhere near the end of their range, that that helps the process of change that can occur in a film cross lesson. And um, so use the smallest possible effort and no strain and don't do anything that hurts now or you think might hurt later and definitely not anything that's painful. So just really inviting you to go slow and light and easy and movements might get bigger all by themselves, but don't go as big as you can at first. And I'll remind you of this a lot. So um, I invite you to come and sit forward on the uh, toward the front edge of the surface that you're sitting on, if that's at all comfortable, so that your feet are on the floor, your ankles are around 90 degrees, your knees are around 90 degrees, and there's a bend in the hips. that's also around 90 degrees within that parameter of being comfortable. And we'll do lots of rest, lots of sitting back to rest as we proceed. Good. And just sensing your spine, the length of your spine from the base up to the head.
2: That's good. And has anything
1: changed in your breathing just from sitting forward? Where's the support now? Where's the support now? Under your pelvis and under your feet. That's good. Good. And so I invite you to turn just to look one way, just a little bit, just a light, easy, comfortable distance. So have your eyes open. I know often we close our eyes to go inward. But for now, just turn to look one way and then look back to the front just a couple of times. That's good. Don't do anything that hurts. Go very light and small and easy and slow. That's good. There we go. And do that a couple of times now and then stop when you look in the direction that you're looking and just notice what you can see in your visual field. The temptation is to go the other way and we'll go the other way in just a moment. But going that first direction, see what you can see. That's good. And then do turn and look the other way a couple of times. Look to the other direction and find out, is it different? Is there a reason why you chose the first direction? Often we choose the direction that's easier. And then pause looking in this direction. That's good. And just noticing what you see. Good. and come and look back to the front. That's good. So I invite you now to bring your left hand, hi, Amy, um, in front of your face so that you can look over the back of your hand and the elbow is hanging down. The elbow is hanging down and you can let your hand down and rest anytime you want. All
0: right?
1: And the fingers are hanging down, so the arms as relaxed as possible. That's good. and. You could also like put your hand on your right shoulder if that was more comfortable, or the front of your chest. Mm-hmm. But with the hand, hang, with the elbow hanging down, just start to turn now to the left. Just turn to the left and see how that is. Good. So now we're really inviting the shoulders and the ribs to be a little more involved, Let the elbow hang down as close as possible to the ribs and turn back to the front again. And just do it a number of times, turning to the left, looking over the top of your hand. And are you breathing? And are you comfortable? There we go.
2: Resting whenever you want to. There we go. Good. 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 Leave that be. Float your hand down and rest. Are you breathing?
1: Good, and then bring the right hand in front of your face. Let the elbow hang down, let the fingers hang down. Find some comfort. Make those little movements that help you be more comfortable. And then looking over the hand, that's good. And start to look toward the right and back. Just a few times, go line and go easy. What different parts of you become involved as
2: you start to turn? Good, and leave that be and rest
1: again. Rest your arms and your hands wherever you want. And if you want to, you could sit back in your chair and just take a rest for a moment. Feel how you're sitting. When you sit back in your chair, you might scoot your, your pelvis, your tushy back into the back of the chair. That's good. Then just rest a moment and sitting. We take lots of rests, not because we're thinking that people will get Physically tired, but there's a lot of attention paid during lessons. Good. Go ahead and come sit forward again. And just thinking about the very top of your spine, you may even bring your fingertips to touch you at the very top of your spine and just sense where that is. And just nod your head a little bit, a small, light, easy amount. Bring your, once you've found that place, then just rest your arm and lightly nod your head, very small amount. Make sure you're breathing
2: and just not saying, "Mm mm-hmm, yes.
1: Are you breathing? And sometimes the breath synchronizes with the movement of the head and the eyes. What are the eyes doing? That's good. Good, and come to looking forward again and then lightly turn your head from side to side, really thinking about the movement right at the top of the spine. Breathing and just noticing if it's different going left and going right and saying no in the gentlest way. There we go. Good, good. Pause a moment and now very lightly tilt your head. So I'm demonstrating a little which we don't usually do in phone but Given for many of you, it's your first class. And given that we're online, just lightly tilting your head. Again, not going for the stretch, but really looking for that light, easy movement up there at the top of the spine. With a kind of floating feeling of your head. That's good. Can your head turn directly side to side? Or does it turn a little bit as you take it? That's good. Taking the ear toward the shoulder without having to get near The shoulder, that's just the direction. And you can pause and breathe a little bit with your head one way or the other as you want, but not lifting the shoulders, really letting the shoulders be soft. Good. Pause again for a moment. That's good. And now just start to make some circles with your head as if you're drawing with your nose. So if there's a card in front of your face and you had a pencil in your nose, just draw some light, easy circles. Don't go as big as you can go. I would say, you know, do half or three quarters of what you could do. And sometimes we get some of those crunchy crackling sounds. That's quite normal. Just making some light circles with your head in front of your face while you breathe. That's good. And then pause a moment and then turn your head the other direction. And see, could the nose actually draw in this plane of action in front of you, as if you really did have a piece of paper in front of the knives. There we go,
2: that's
1: good, that's good. Thank you for some of you for being on screen, so I can see what you're doing. That's really handy, good. Okay, pause a moment. And then thinking about the top of your head and you might again, touch the top of your head and really feel where really is it, where the ponytail is, that's not really the top. Is it the forehead? Find the very top of your head. That's good. And start to make a circle with the top of your head. You can bring the hand down once you're really sure where it is. And here you might imagine that you had a laser pointer in the top of your head or a flashlight and you're drawing a circle on the ceiling. So see, can you find a way to make a different kind of circle with your head as if you were drawing a circle on the ceiling. And are you breathing? That's good. And of course, if it's very comfortable, you can let it get a little bigger without you know, stretching or going toward your limit. Find out how you do it very comfortably and lightly and easily small. And then you can let it get a little bigger if you want. to, oh, And then change
2: the direction That's good. Good. And leave that
1: be. And just for a moment, sense how you're sitting. What's the sense of your head at the top of your spine? Good. And then sit back and relax
2: for a moment. Take a few breaths. Good. good. Come sit forward again. That's good. And bring your um,
1: left hand in front of your face. Let the hand hang down. Look over the hand. Let the elbow hang down. And just a few times, turn to the left and feel how that is. That's good. And you might notice, do you look up or down a little bit as you go to the side and back?
2: There you go. Good. Good.
1: And now Turn to the left and stay turned to the left and then just very lightly turn your head back forward or even to the right. Just very lightly. Keep your arm and your shoulder to the left and just very lightly turn your head back to the front or to the right without any strain, any pain, breathing and do that a number of times. Stay with the arm and the shoulder, turned to the left and lightly turn your head back to the front Or even to the right. There you go, light and easy. Very nice.
2: That's good. And float your arm down and pause a moment. Make any
1: little movements you need to make to be comfortable in sitting, right? You can, movement can be restful, right? Good. And then bring up the other hand. I guess that's the right hand. Look over the hand, at the elbow hang down. Turn to the right a couple of times, looking over the hand. See, can your eyes help you turn? And then stay turned to the right and turn your head a little bit back to the front or to the left. That's good. Don't go as far as you can get. Just lightly turning the head, turning the eyes.
2: Good, good, and leave that be. Float your arm down, sit back for a moment and rest.
1: So we're really thinking about moving with a meditative quality, bringing that meditative, attentional quality to our movement, which is, again, not so usual. There are many similar practices, but often... We're moving for functional reasons or for fitness and strengthening. Good, so come sit forward again, have your feet on the floor, bend at the knees and the hips. Good, and with your hands on your thighs, I invite you to just sense your sitting bones through, your, through the muscles of your pelvis. That's good. And just rock a little bit forward and back on your sitting bones, just a little forward and back. You might imagine the sitting bones were little feet. And as you rock back, you're rocking toward your heels. And as you rock forward, you rock toward the balls of the feet or the toes and rock backwards and forwards a little bit. And just let the spine change shape naturally. So it might round a little bit in the back and fold in the front as you roll to the back of your sitting bones and then rolling to the front of your sitting bones. Notice what happens at the front of the hip joints. They might close a little bit and the spine might arch a little bit and the front of the body might lengthen a little bit. Just rocking a little bit. that's good. Here we go, good, good. And then find a nice kind of comfortable middle place where you don't feel too far forward or too far back, but just right. Good. And then bring your attention to your breathing. And I invite you now to just take some slightly larger breaths without any strain and just begin to expand, especially the chest, but also the abdomen. Just breathe a little bigger, 10, 15, 20% bigger and expand in. and find out what happens when you expand. Do you expand more forward? into the breastbone and the ribs in the front or more sideways to one side or the other or more to the back? Do you move a little bit on your sit bones as you take larger breaths? That's good. That's good. Now, have the idea, could you breathe a little bit in all directions? In the top of the chest, the middle, the lower part of the chest, could you breathe a little forward? and a little sideways, and even a little backward. And sometimes there's the hard things to sense right away, especially the first time you do them. So we often say in Feldenkrais, if you can't feel it, fake it. So just imagine that you can inflate your chest in all directions, like a three-dimensional bellows, but without any strain, inviting the ribs and the breastbone and the spine to all move. And then, of course, you can just breathe normally for a few breaths. And then return to breathing in all directions. Expanding in all directions. And then you might try rolling a little forward on your sitting bones and letting the spine arch a little bit and breathe in all directions and find out how that is.
2: Does it change the ability to breathe anywhere?
1: And then you might roll the pelvis backward a little bit, round the spine just a little bit, whatever's very comfortable. And explore breathing in all directions. Yawning happens, especially when we pay attention to the
2: breath. That's good.
1: Good. And then see can you find a place of sitting on the sit bones where it's easy? Easier to breathe in all directions. You're breathing just a little bit bigger and expanding, especially in the chest, but the abdomen helps. Letting the ribs move a little bit, the breastbone, the spine, however you imagine it.
2: That's good. Good, and leave that be and sit back for a moment and rest. Come sit forward again
1: and bring your right arm across and hold on to your left upper arm if that's comfortable or rest your hand on the chest somewhere. And then I'll show you. Bring the left arm across completely underneath. So you've got these two mountain peaks of your elbows facing forward and then let your arms rest on your chest and your right hand will be resting on your left ribs. That's good, good. And begin now to turn and look to the right. And the right hand can help you turn your left ribs also a little bit. And start to notice here what happens with the weight on your sitting bones. Could the weight shift a little bit to the right side? So the left hip might even start to unweight a little bit. That's good. Do that a number of times, just turning as far as it's very light, very easy, very comfortable. And to the extent that it's comfortable, especially on your spine, shifting the weight on your pelvis a little bit over to the right. That's good. There we go. And then stay turned to the right a few times. Sorry, stay turned to the right and a few times breathe into your right ribs, if you can imagine that. Breathe into the right ribs, let the right ribs.
2: Expand,
1: turning to the right. The right hand can help turn the chest and then breathing into the right ribs. Good, float, come back to the middle, float your arms down, that's good. Now bring your right arm across and have the left arm underneath, the left hand holding onto the right ribs, turn to the left a few times, look to the left, let the arms rest on your chest, and help you turn your whole chest, your whole spine. And the direction doesn't matter. If you've gone one direction one time, you can go the other direction the next. There we go. It doesn't even matter which arm's on top. Just turning and shifting the weight now to the left sitting bone, breathing and feeling how
2: the turning is.
1: And then turn now to the left, Stay turned to the left. And just breathe a few times into the left ribs. Good. And then turn back to the middle. Float your arms down and rest a moment. You can sit back or stay sitting forward. Rest your hands on your thighs and just notice your breathing. Make any little movements you need to, to be comfortable. Even a few of those little movements with
2: the head. Good. Good. So
1: bring your, uh, come sit forward and bring your hands to rest on your thighs. That's good. Good. And begin to. Turn and look to the left. And as you do that, start to reach the right knee forward. And shifting the weight to the left sitting bone. And now starting to turn the pelvis a little bit. You might feel an opening at the front of the right hip. And the hands might even slide a bit. The right hand might slide forward. And the left hand might slide back toward the top of the thigh. And reaching the right knee forward to help you turn to the left. There we go, that's it, go. that's it. The rights and lefts actually don't matter a lot. You can go both ways, you can do one way first and then the other, that's good. Good, and now switch over, start to slide and point the left knee forward, turn to look to the right. The left hand can slide forward and the right hand can slide back. Shifting the weight to the right, sit bone. That's good. And now switch over and turn left and right, sliding the hand and the knee forward, the right hand and the right knee go forward, the left hand and the left knee go forward, feeling the turning in your eyes, in your neck, in your breastbone, in your breathing, making it light and easy. That's
2: good. Good. And pause a moment. That's
1: good. Good. So finally now, just um, sitting forward and just turning and looking to the left and finding out what do you see? If you use some of the things that we've learned, some of the things you've been exploring, how is it to turn to the left? Inviting the shoulders and the ribs and the pelvis. And what do you see to the left now? That's good. And then come on back and turn to the right. Let the weight shift to the right. Let the eyes turn, the neck, the chest, the pelvis. The weight might shift on your feet a little. That's it. And what do you see to the right? And then to finish now, just notice as you go side to side, looking left and looking right, do you look up a little to one side and down to the other? And you might just a couple of times look up to the left and down to the right. And then try looking up to the right and down to the left. go. Good. And come and sit and feel how you're sitting. Where's the weight on your pelvis, on your sitting bones, making any little movements to be comfortable. That's good. Sensing the length of your spine. How is your head now on the top of your spine? What's happening with your breathing? If you had to sit here for a while, how would it be? Are there places that would get sore or fatigued? Are they different than before? Good. Good. And come and sit back in your chair and that's,
2: that's our first lesson for the day.
1: Thank you, everybody, for participating so well.
2: Good.
1: And sitting in any way that's really comfortable for you. So, if there were any burning questions, I could respond to questions, or I also have some slides to show, and then we'll finish off the last 10 minutes with another movement lesson, awareness through movement lesson. But I just wanted to see if there's any, any burning comments or questions before we move on again. So that's what we did. That's the lesson. Um, And this is what we were doing. Awareness through movement, mindful movement, self-observation, listening to the body, and maybe some functional improvements so you can notice for yourself whether any of those things felt true to uh, what we just did. There's also another, oops, Another part of Feldenkrais method called functional integration, which is a hands-on part of the method. The practitioner touches and moves the client. And we're thinking about providing information to the person about how they move and how they can move more efficiently. So the touch is very non-invasive, really thinking about the practitioners are really listening with their hands to what the person likes to do, can do, giving suggestions of what they could do without using any invasive force. Sometimes the touch can be fairly strong through the skeleton, but it's not uh, like deep tissue massage. The, the aim of the touch is really informational so that the principles really of the hands-on work are very similar to the, the principles of the uh, awareness through movement lesson. So one way of thinking about Farman method, and again, partly why we're here in a mindfulness uh, uh, session, is is we can think about it as mindful movement. And uh, Schmazel and Kerr and Crane, Godru and uh, Payne uh, brought forward this idea in in the um, mid-2014-16 of mindful movement, of thinking about, and they were thinking about neuroscience research, like what was it about these practices like Feldenkrais method, Alexander technique, Qigong, uh, Tai Chi, yoga that um, uh, had similarities and may have similar ways of working, similar mechanisms of action? So, and there really are some significant similarities, but also some significant uh, differences between those practices. And on the one hand, we have a small research base for Feldenkrais, about 50 randomised controlled trials. And on the other hand, if we are in this family of similars of, of these other uh, body in the, uh, sorry, mind in the body techniques, bringing the mind to the body, making use of the mind-body unity through movement and attention and breathing, if we are in that family, then there's actually a huge body of research about these kinds of practices. There's some distinctive elements of the Feldenkrais pedagogy that you just experienced. The big emphasis on not striving, on taking care of yourself, um, being a present moment awareness and improving our perception. So the process is meant to be very experimental rather than giving you an end result of what the effort and size and speed and shape of the movement should look like. We're really mostly uh, Uh, taking through verbally through a process of uh, experimentation. Working online, I find I have to do a little bit more demonstration of the beginnings of the movements. Um, We use variation, we use both functional movements, getting up from the floor, things like that, with some very interesting movements, moving the legs like pretzels and all kinds of uh, fun ways of using the body. So we use novelty as well as function. We also use imagined movements. And um, one of the characteristics of Feldenkrais is, as you felt when I oriented to you to the space, left and right, but also especially gravity and what is your contact with the earth and the surfaces that you're resting on. We also take lots of rests and we focus on the breathing and on the qualities of the movement, that they're light and easy and the whole patterns. And we really aim to create success for people. So you can see here, if you think about other practices, they have many things in common and probably some things that are different. So people come to Feldenkrais, the research from Buchanan shows um, about 80% of people come for pain, especially chronic pain. Um, And as we well know, that often comes with the history of, of trauma um, functional challenges, particularly after illnesses and injury, uh, post-surgery, um, neurological conditions, and though loss of function isn't necessarily part of aging, sometimes it does occur, often because of those other things like surgeries and illnesses, um, and then people who have had uh, strokes, people with Parkinson's and and um, M- MS and other neurodegenerative diseases also come along and, and use it. And because um, it can help you from wherever you start to improve how you move and how you attend to yourself, then a lot of uh, performers, singers, actors, dancers use Feldenkrais and and athletes and sports people. Um, People often come for the pain and stay for the well-being, <laughs> even though the pain resolves and they come to a series of classes, they often uh, stay because it helps them with manage their stress. And as I mentioned, the aging related movement issues. And then for some people, it really becomes a practice in their life, like Qigong or, or or Tai Chi or yoga, and as part of their own personal process of transformation. Okay. So we have some outcomes research. There's been over 30 randomized control trials in the last uh, 50 years, Um, and um, many additional trials that weren't controlled, that weren't randomized or whatever, and some qualitative studies. And there's been three systematic reviews now of the randomized control trials. And those Find really high quality studies um, for balance and balance, confidence and mobility, especially with older adults, also for people who've had strokes and and dealing with MS. Um, uh, Body image improvements, especially like for young women with um, uh, eating issues, Uh, dexterity, grip and and manipulation capacities, handwriting. Um, Also, just the comfort and the perceived effort in the movement. So um, that that's really fundamental. We would hope that that would show up. And then some good studies with chronic low back pain and shoulder and neck pain. And then other studies that weren't didn't quite make the cut in uh, using the Cochrane review standards. Uh, Anxiety and mild depression, quality of life in various ways, bruxism in children, the teeth grinding. Lung function for people with COPD, a sense of self-efficacy and patient-specific functional outcomes. That's interesting. There's, um, there was a study where they got uh, the, the participants to decide what function they wanted to focus on. So if they wanted to run five miles, then that was their outcome. If they wanted to be able to roll over in bed and get out of bed without pain, that was their aim. So by the patient setting the functional outcomes they wanted, then rather than having to do a separate study for Feldenkrais for running and Feldenkrais for getting out of bed, by getting the patients to specify what practical functional outcomes they wanted, they were able to get a measure of those. So we think that there's there's two main modes of action that through conscious awareness of our patterns of movement, noticing how we get up out of a chair, how we breathe, how we go downstairs, you know, how we sit—that um, we have the option of, of consciously changing those things, of, of doing things that um, differently. And at the same time, you know, we believe that there's changes in the non-conscious or pre-conscious patterns of muscular activation, of the initiation of the movement, the muscular tonus, the patterns of movement. Um, a change and then there's corresponding neurophysical changes so some of the changes don't necessarily go through consciousness although conscious awareness is usually involved in at least some of the change and especially in awareness through movement and then we think that that contributes to skilled action and and changes in the autonomic nervous system um, we have more research on on skilled action and and also quality of life and stuff and less stuff on the autonomic nervous system um, changes. So muscular activity is non-trivial. It's really an important sense of, of ourselves that the by uh, mass, the muscles are the, are the biggest organs of the body. The skin is the biggest organ in surface area. We get a lot of information about how we are and who we are from ourselves. And, in stress, often the research focuses on, on um, uh, blood pressure, heart rate, heart rate variabilities, and the, the cousin of, um, uh, of muscular tension is often ignored in studies ar- around stress. And yet many people find it to be a really fundamental part of the experience of stress, this feeling of going to explode and really physically very tight and, and hard to move and hard to Feel good in the body, and then there's an idea, um, uh, um meaning excessive muscular effort or holding, and and this is really seems to be a very common thing, and in the theorizing of it, it's really been associated with many of those medically um, unexplained uh, symptoms, you know, of of uh, stress, of fatigue, of uh, disrupted sleep, of uh, unexplained aches and pains bodily aches and pains so many people I think as a way of coping um, end up with really excessive muscular uh, uh, holding and and so having methods that really affect the muscular organization of the body are really important and then we know that emotions are experienced in the body or or some part of the construct of emotion and mood is the bodily felt sense of emotion and also the vitality effects, how alive we feel, how our movements reflect our moods and our states of well-being or anxiety or whatever. And really, if we look at the example of trauma, then we see that the implicit memory of the trauma and leads to things like hypervigilance of narrowing of the field of vision, which is done by the muscles of the eyes. You know, of, of tightening up in the body in particular ways related to the trauma. So the implicit memory uh, end up in patterns of bodily organization, and something like Feldenkrais method can help people learn how to move and organize their body in different ways, and their attention to reduce that, like hypervigilance. And I have this nice uh, uh, quote here from Dr. Moss and his colleague Paul Shane. Um, from 1999, linking this idea of what happens in the body and the patterns of bodily movement with emotions and behavioral and emotional change. He length, but people reported that they didn't feel like they were stretching. And there was also um, uh, dose effects there. The more people, people practiced the Feldenkrais, the more change they got in the, in the muscles. We also have a lovely study With people in an MRI machine. Now, one of the confounds for studying Feldenkrais um, is that any of the measures we have of what's happening in the central nervous system and the brain go haywire when we move. You can't move in an MRI. Even with EEG, if you move, everything lights up and gets very busy. So, So in a way, that's testament to how important movement is to the brain and the nervous system that we can't differentiate that from other measures. But at the same time, it means it's harder to study. And often we're relying on that earlier neuroscience of uh, uh, muscle tension of um, electromyography. And then finally, we have a. a, also this neurophysiology study saw changes in the blood flow in the sensory, one section of the sensory motor strip in the brain and it was different when it was the hands-on intervention. It was different when they were working locally with the foot and the ankle, or when they're working more globally, connecting through the whole body. Um, and finally, this was a study of our, our pedagogy, looking at um, a, a balance class series for elder adults and seeing that the strategies in Feldenkrais classes were consistent with motor control and motor learning principles. And finally, and I won't spend any more time on this, but it seems like the qualitative research particularly um, shows that people uh, report on these things of learning how to control their attention, having more mindfulness, having more bodily self-awareness, a changed self-image, a sense of self-efficacy, or I can They have adopt values about being more open and and not being violent to their bodies and self-care and changes in mood. Um, One of the students in my movement class did a series of Feldenkrais lessons and talked about deep refreshment. That's what she got from the experience. So many of these things seem to be in common with other mindfulness and mind-body practices. There we go. And that's all I have to say. I think we have a cloud.